Blog Talk Radio. DJ LeMahieu has landed his gold glove in the Bronx. What does this head-scratcher of a signing mean for the rest of the infield? Where do the Bombers go from here as the 25-man roster begins to shape? All this and more on today's episode of Pinstripe Talk. Welcome to Pinstrip Talk. My name is Anthony. I'm here with my co-host, Eamon. <clears throat> Hello. We, we'll be talking about DJ LeMayhew and the rest of the infield, how it all shapes out, uh, the arbitration numbers that the Yankees just handed out to some of their players. But before we get into that, um, I just want to do a little, little quick tribute here to a, a Yankee legend who passed passed earlier this week. We lost Mel Sotomayor um, at the age of 77 a few days ago. And um, before we go into the show, I just want to say a few kind words about the man. Um, Mel was a tremendous pitcher with an ERA under three, uh, 297 for his career. And um, he was Yankees pitching coach during the dynasty era. And he really helped helm that, that coaching staff. But above all his numbers and above all his, 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 uh, his coaching numbers, Everything that I've seen from, from posts on Instagram and Twitter from guys like Roger Clemens and Dwight Gooden, um, he, was a, he was a tremendous human being, a tremendous man. And um, my, my own father had personal experience with him. And uh, for everything he's told me, he was just, a, just as amazing as everyone says he was. And um, I just want to, to say goodbye to a, uh, to, a, to a true Yankee legend. And uh, we will miss you. We'll miss you, Mr. Stottlemyre. Rest in peace, Mel. Mm-hmm. So, Thank you. All right. Um, so I'm guessing we're going to jump right into DJ LeMahieu. Um, yes, we are. Yes, we are. This was a surprising signing. I did not think we were going to either, even touch him. I didn't even know he was a free agent. So what do you think about this? this <laughs> well, this as, was an, as you said before, it was a head scratcher. It is definitely a head scratcher because yeah, this was every, an everyone – Oh, my God. It, it, it still confuses me. I mean, I trust me. I like the guy. I like him as a player. He is consistent. He's a, he's a contact hitter who does not strike out. He's going to hit you 10, 15, maybe even more home runs at his Yankee Stadium. So, I mean, he'll drive at about 60 runs, and he'll play gold glove defense. That's all great. That is, if we needed a second baseman. We don't need a second baseman. We have Gabriel Torres. We signed a shortstop, Kulowitzki, and we have a third baseman, and we have two first basemen. So, it's just kind of confusing. If we sign Machado, okay, that makes sense. You put him in a shortstop, then there's the infield. But LeMahieu is a second baseman who, now they're they're saying they're going to play him at first, third, second. He's going to be like the Yankee Ben Zobrist, which, hey, is A-okay by me, but it it still confuses me. I mean, another righty in the lineup, um, yeah, just kind of a head scratcher. I like the guy, I like the player, and this could easily turn out to be a great deal for the Yankees. But right now, I'm kind of confused. What do you think? Um, I think this was a this was very surprising. Um, since we were in the Machado deal and everything, I didn't think we were gonna like focus on anybody else. Um, there has been a lot of players that the Yankees have been signing that 
it hasn't got a lot of publicity. So like this one and the Troy Tulowitzki one was kind of like one of those where it just came out of nowhere. Um, and a lot of people thought that we were out of Machado. Um, until today, I did actually look. The Red, uh, the White Sox, my bad, um, apparently offered Machado $175 million over seven years. And that ring is ringing a bell for a lot of Yankee fans because if you don't know, that's, that's the – I think that's the exact – I don't know if it's the exact um, – uh, Money-wise, but that was the offer we gave to a 31-year-old Robertson Cano when his contract was up, and they offered that to him. So if that's what is gonna, if that's something, you know, even though we know, even though we have DJ LeMahieu, he's a great guy. He he, you know, over the last two years, he's gotten a Gold Glove. He was an All Star, and he and he's been doing really good for the Rockies. Um, this could be another thing. Maybe this now makes you know, DJ LeMayhew, a third baseman, um, uh, or an alternate third baseman with Ian Duhar. This might make uh, Tulewitzki and uh, kind of like a, you know, a platoon player where he doesn't, you know, he plays, you know, not every day, but he plays, you know, every once, like, I guess every once in a while, um, but more often. So, um, yeah, if this Machado is, if this Machado signing that the Red Sox you know, gave to the, gave to him. This could be something that the Yankees go hard at, um, because if we're getting him at that price, that is a steal. That is a steal, and that will be very scary. And even any team really can take him. I mean, we know how good the Red Sox were last year. They can even, you know, they could take Machado and literally, you know, give Devers away. That's how that that's how deadly this you know number that was. At three hundred million, if no, if, you know, it was a pretty high thing. Is now down to one hundred and seventy-five million dollars over seven years, and he'll be thirty-three after the contract. So he, I'm pretty sure he'll still be a good player um, after that. Um, so that's my thing with the Lemayhew and a little bit of the Machado update. I know it's been crazy, but this just came out today and it's been kind of buzzing around. So I kind of wanted to put that into the uh, Lemayhew thing since. That was something that was connected to him. Um, but, yeah, that's well, what I think about him. Well, as Ken Rosenthal said on MLB Network, and I've seen him tweet about it too, um, until the Yankees don't get Machado, they still are in on Machado, according to him. Um, I did see the White Sox offer him that seven-year seven 175, um, which, if the Yankees are still in the market for Manny Machado, um, is not an egregious deal to be, to be offering a guy like a guy like Machado. And DJ gives them depth anyway. So if we sign Machado and DJ, then hooray, we're a better team for it. Um, if we sign Machado, he'll play short, and DJ will give us depth, or he'll play second, and we'll put Flamber, I don't know. Maybe put DJ at first, put Andrew Hart, maybe put him at third base. And that makes Andrew Hart expendable, because I did hear that the Indians are in talks with the San Diego Padres uh, to attempt to acquire a Corey Kluber. I don't know where these, these talks are going to go, but the Padres seem to want to acquire Kluber to flip him. And they could easily flip him to the Yankees for Miguel Andujar. Now, I love Miguel Andujar. I absolutely love Miguel Andujar's bat. I think he is um, a guy where you have a talent that you can't, you can't teach that kind of hitting. He, 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 did, he did something similar to Manny Machado when he was younger. He had a boatload of doubles. 
Um, and I think that'll translate to home runs like it did with Machado, if if uh, Andujar develops as as I predict him too. You can teach the defense. Um, he had a great glove. His arm's not great, so you can you can sort of teach that kind of stuff. So I I don't want to get up on Machado, but if you can trade him for a front line starting pitcher like Corey Kluber, um, then I'd be okay with it. But that's all contingent on signing signing Machado or. It, 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 it creates a lot of potential options. Like you could put you could put DJ at first base and you can just sit Voight a day. Or you can put DJ at second base, you could put Glaber at short, um, and you sit Tulowitzki a day. Or you could put DJ at third and you DH Andujar and you put Stanton in left field. So I mean it, it, it creates a whole bunch of scenarios. Manny might confuse things a little more, but if you have the opportunity to get Manny Machado at such a such a low price comparatively to what he was what he was asking um, it really, it really could be uh, uh, a good problem to have. Yeah, um, I do think, you know, now if we have now that we have the, I feel like now we definitely have an opportunity, and I'm not just saying us, but a lot more teams have an opportunity to land Machado now that he's down to 175. So if we can, if we can get him, that would that would be great. DJ Lemayhew. You know, I think he's a. Re- I think he was a really. He's really good. I know he's a, le- a righty, but he's not a home run hitter. And I know this park is made for hitters, but he only hit 15 home runs last last year. And that's you know that's not something you know. Uh, a guy in maybe, I don't know, Colorado will do with all that you know how you, you, we all know what that park is like. So. He's not a home run hitter, but he he gets the doubles, you know, the singles and all that. So I think that's actually a good a good addition to the lineup because we don't need not everybody on this lineup needs to be hitting home runs. We need somebody that hits the doubles, you know, gets a few singles and stuff like that. So I think, you know, with him, you know, being able to do that, I think that is really, you know, deadly for our lineup. Um I did see like somebody make a little a little lineup sheet um, with what our current roster is now. And they said that he, he would, he would be leading off. And that's interesting because, um, you know, he doesn't hit, he doesn't hit a lot of home runs, but he's one of those single double hitters. And I feel like maybe if he was in the, not in the middle of the order, but maybe a little bit lower, I feel like he could drive in a lot more runs for us um, later in the stretch of the lineup. Um, But lead off hitter, I'm fine. I did also see the first base, I don't know if he's played first base in the past, but I wouldn't really try it. I think third base is the way, you know, him and Enduar, you know, switching off, you know, from day to day, um, playing third base will be pretty good. Um, and even if they do that with, even if they try that with Glaber, they try Glaber playing a little bit of shortstop while, you know, because I don't think we're going to have, I, obviously we're not going to have Troy Tulowitzki for the whole season playing there, but I don't, I don't trust the man playing there every day. I really don't. I feel like, you know, switching it up for him, giving him a few days of rest, not having him play every day, um, and, you know, switching Duhar, um, switch Glaber over to short, maybe put in Duhar to third, and put um, DJ LeMahieu where his actual position, where he does play, second base. So I think that would also be something that could, you know, pop up. um, But if it does come down to DJ LeMahieu playing first base, he could also give, um, you know, that a shot and giving some other people some rest. So I do think that this is a really good signing because he has so many positions he can play. And, um, 
you know, we could go versatile with what we have. Yeah, I, I totally see your point. I totally see that uh, Leahy could play all these places. He's played uh, 30, uh, 41 games at third and four games at first. He hasn't played those positions since 2014, so it's been a few years. But um, he was asked to bring a lot of gloves to the Yankees. Uh, that's a quote from, from DJ. Um, so I, I think he will definitely be bouncing around this, this infield. He'll definitely be giving guys days here or there. He'll be playing every day, just different positions every day, to give, get guys off their feet. And DJ is also the kind of the, kind of the antithesis of the way the Yankees have always kind of uh, played themselves. He's not a power hitter like Judge or Stanton or Sanchez. He's an average hitter. He, he won a batting title a few years ago. He, he batted uh, 348 in 2016, he, uh, which is phenomenal. Um, so he doesn't strike out. He is the exact opposite of, of what we typically go with on the Yankees. So he'd be a perfect leadoff, leadoff hitter. Um, he really, and he really uh, adds a, a kind of new look to this lineup we didn't have before. Um, and 75% of his hits went to right or center. So that just shows you where his where his stroke goes, which could could lend itself to more power, um, because obviously Yankee Stadium's known for that short porch in right field. So this um, this has a this has the potential of being a very a, a very good deal, a very smart deal for Brian Cashman. Um, I typically trust Brian Cashman in what he does because I mean just look at the uh, acquisitions and trades he's done in the past few seasons, getting Glaber Torres and getting Clint Frazier. And, and these savvy deals. Um, so I typically tend to trust the man in what he does. So um, I, I really do uh, – I really am looking forward to watching DJ play every day and how Aaron Boone will, uh, will set his lineups, will, uh, will position his players. So um, this, is, uh, this is definitely intriguing, but I am, uh, I'm all for it. I'm all for DJ LeMayu coming to the Bronx. Uh, welcome, DJ. Yeah. Um, I think he's, you know, he's going to do good, and I hope he has a good season. Um, so that is it for DJ LeMayhew. Um, we're going to hop back into um, some other things um, in a few minutes, but um, we're going to hop into a network ad, and we'll see you guys in a few. Tune into the Amazing Mets podcast Thursday at 7 p.m. It will be our third episode. We will be joined by Mets Rule 5 draft pick, Kyle Dowdy and the Mets utility man, Ty Kelly. The Kyle Dowdy interview will begin at 7.05 p.m. We will also review the Mets offseason, especially the newest edition of Jed Lowry, and we will predict how the Mets roster will fare in the NL East. The biggest question on our minds is, do they have a roster that has the potential to make the playoffs in 2019? All that and more will be discussed by our hosts. We take calls and answer fans' questions throughout the show. If you are a Mets fan, or even a baseball fan, tune into the Amazing Mets podcast at 7 p.m. Thursday. Don't miss it. All right, welcome back. Um, we're going to be hopping into... We did a little bit of DJ LeMay, and we talked about the infield a little bit, but we're going to talk... Uh, more about that in this segment. And um, if you guys want to ask any questions, the number is 845-277-9345. Um, and you can an- we can answer your question. 
Um, but yeah, let's hop right into the infield and what we think it will look like in 2019. Um, or if, you know, I know there's obviously Machado speculations if we're going to get him or not, but so far, what do you think without Machado, if we, we might not even get him. So, um, what do you think it will look like? Without, well, without Machado, obviously the infield right now looks like it's going to be Luke Voigt at first base, Glaber at second base, Tulo at short, and Andujar at third with, um, with DJ bouncing around and giving guys days, uh, when they need it. And, I like that infield a lot. I mean, it's all right-handed. Uh, that is, if they play Voight and not Bird, who I still like. I still like Greg Bird. I still think he has a good stroke, but um, he lost his job to Luke Voight, and rightfully so. But that's a good infield. Um, there's definitely questions at a lot of spots. Can Voight be the guy he was last season? Uh, is Tulo ready to be healthy for a half a season until D.D. comes back? Can Andrew Hart's defense improve? Um is DJ going to play every day? What's he going to do? But um, DJ gives you flexibility, which is perfect for the Yankees because you need you need guys to play all over the place. I mean, we had Torres last year doing it, and it looks like I love Ronald Torres. He kind of wasn't the guy we're looking for. He was just that kind of slap hitter and the, the good clubhouse guy. Now we have a guy in that role like DJ LeMayu, who's a two-time All-Star, and won three gold gloves. So it, it, it boosts the team significantly. Uh, I think it boosts our de- it clearly boosts our defense. And it might even shape the outfield a little bit if you want to put DJ at third base um, and DH and Duhar um, and then play Stanton in left field, which would, have to save, which would save Gardner from playing left field, which, I mean, I really don't think Gardner should be starting anymore. Uh, he showed that last season. So there's a, there's a bunch they can do. The, the, the acquisition of LeMahieu not only not, not only causes um, potential potential situations with the infield, but also with the outfield now. It's Stanton moving to left field more often with uh, with Andrew Hard DHing or whoever DHing. But um, this this really proves to me that Cashman is a lot smarter than we thought he was because this deal. Could really, could really end up, uh, really end up impacting the Yankees in a very positive way that I can't even see right now. But I, uh, I do, I do trust Cashman very much. Now, um, I know you got a lot of opinions on this infield because uh, we got some good ball, we got some good ball players. So tell me what you think. Um, so I do think, um, at you know opening day, it's going to be Voit, Glaber, Tulowitzki, and and Duhar. I would like to see. DJ LeMayhew, I I mean he is a valuable a- asset to this team now that we have him. So I wouldn't I I I kind of want him playing a lot. I mean he's he's ha- he's gonna play. He, they gave him a lot. I think they gave him a I think maybe twenty four mil million dollar. Uh, I'm not too sure. I can't. I don't think. I don't know it off the top of my head. But um, yeah. So the guy's going to play. He's getting twelve million a year. Um, if that's the right uh contract but um yeah he's going to play I would like to see him you know I would like to see him be a starter and maybe in Duhar is more of the DH hitter and we have Stanton playing a lot of out you know outfield this season um but um yeah I think you know DJ LeMahieu he's gonna play I do think in and Duhar you know if it gets to the point where he's not doing his job at third I do think you know 
Lemayhew's going to take it, and we'll see what happens. Um, maybe Andujar is the person that's going to be bouncing around the infield. We don't know. Um, and Luke Voigt, you know, he came to the Bronx. He, I didn't even know who he was at the time. Um, but he, you know, he proved himself. He proved his name. A lot of, you know, Yankees fans, you know, like him now. Um, he's, he's no, you know, he's pretty well known in New York. So um, I do think that, you know, this infield, you know, there's a lot of good people on it, but if the cards don't, you know, drop in the right spot, I don't think this is, this could be some spots of the infield could be a disaster. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, if it if it we have a strong infield, but if something happens, it could go a little bit downhill. Now that if we don't have you know DD back um, in time, so if you know if it falls down you know too early before DD even you know has a chance to come back, um, you know it could be a little bit bad. But I do think the infield you know will be solid for for a good amount of the year. Yeah, I, I totally see that. I totally see this team having a solid infield. That being said, you can't predict injuries. Obviously, like Tulowitzki, um, if he gets hurt, you put Glaber at short, and you put, D, you put uh, DJ at second. So having having a lot of guys is a good problem to have because it it allows you um, to to prepare for injury. I remember a few years ago when uh, when Granderson and Teixeira and, and pretty much the whole whole team got hurt in 2013 and scrambling to find players. We ended up getting Vernon Wells, Lyle Overbay, and a bunch of scraps. Um, so it, it was it, it, it was uh, just exciting to find players because you had no backups. This this signing gives you a lot of flexibility in the infield and, and even the outfield. It allows for uh, for guys to take days to rest, which is very, very important. Um, and even to go on to, to go on the other part of the infield, you have a catcher who added under 200 last year. So, I mean, I personally believe that Gary Sanchez is one of the best catchers, if not the best catcher in baseball. I think last year was an anomaly. I think he was hurt for all this for that entire season. Um, but I mean, how much is Gary going to play? Does, does Aaron trust him with it with his defense now? And um, I, I personally believe that Gary's playing every day as a starting catcher. But you never know with what happened last year and how spring training will go. So this whole infield, there's a slight question mark in nearly each position, but I think there's an answer to that question mark right around the corner on this very team that I don't look too far to find. So I think we'll be in pretty good shape um, come opening day with, with, the, uh, with the Yankees infield. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not – I wasn't – I wasn't – I'm not saying that, you know – injuries are going to, you know, predict injuries are going to happen. I'm just saying that, you know, people, if they don't do, if they start struggling, it's going to be, it's going to be a hard, it's going to be hard to, you know, keep going with that. Um, we, we saw that with Greg Bird. He came back after, you know, an ankle injury. He came back in 2017 and he had a, he had a pretty good uh, postseason. He comes back 2018. He got, he went back for a surgery to, you know, fix the ankle a little bit. Um, he came back and he didn't do his job. That's why the Yankees went out and got Voight. So if I, I'm really hoping Voight can do what he did that, you know, that half of the year and, you know, continue doing it. Um, but we don't know uh, with all these, you know, with all these things um, with the infield. Um, 
And we don't know if Greg Bird's ever going to come back. He was a big asset, uh, you know, starting off. We all knew that, he, you know, he might be, a new, you know, one of those power hitters that we need in the lineup, and he's going to be a good, you know, future first baseman. But he just didn't – he just didn't live up to, you know, what we thought. So, uh, I don't know if he's going to be returning. He didn't really play a lot after, you know, he didn't, you know, pick it up. So, um I don't know, but I do think they're going to keep Greg Bird for probably a backup first baseman. I I would love to see him play, and uh, I wouldn't want to see a LeMahieu or a you know uh, and Duhar that has not a great amount of experience at first playing than uh, he is. But we do know his you know injury troubles, so I do think you know the infield will be doing really good. Uh, but you know some of those people that um, you know we have. Uh, you know, might not, you know, do the job. I think that Bird is a very important guy to this team. Um, he's a lefty, play first base. I think the job is voice, though, um, after what he did last season. Um, so spring training will spring training will definitely uh, tell who the first baseman is. But I think we have uh, we have a, I think we have a caller who wants to ask a question about the. Uh, um, yeah, I see that here. Um, Dom from New York wants to talk about the uh, sleepers in the farm system. So um, let's see what he has to say. Gentlemen, how are you? It's my weekly call. Always a great job. <laughs> nice opening. But I, quick question. You know, we always had some good players in the farm system that we've used come up, and they've quite been quite impressive. And I know we're going after these big ticket items, but is there anyone that you know of that might come out of nowhere or – either if someone gets hurt or September call-ups, that is going to be the future of this organization, like a Jeter. Hey, Dominic. Uh, that's a wonderful question. Uh, Yankees, Yankees uh, farm system has definitely been in flux with uh, everything they've been doing in the past couple of seasons with trades and, and, and the like. But um, I, I do really like Devon um, Floreal. Esteban Floreal is Yankees' top prospect now. He is a center fielder who I think they'll go to once um, once six his contract is up after next season. He's supposed to do everything everything well. He he runs well. He hits well. He has power. Um, he really is the uh, is the prototypical center fielder. So I really I really like him as a player. You could see him as a September call up this season. Um, I I really I really believe in this guy. So I think I think he'll be the guy you look for. Um, put, put put a little check mark, a little stamp next to the name Esteban Florial because uh, he he will be a Yankee at some point in my opinion and 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 a damn good one too. Um yeah, I do think he's one of the guys that um you know if it comes down to injury or something happens, I do think he will definitely be called up. The problem, um. Maybe, you know, if a catcher, you know, gets injured, we don't know. Gary, you know, had a lot of issues last year. I could see that switching catcher um, coming up at least a little bit as well. Um, he's like, I think number, he's in the top 10 of the Yankees prospects. So I could see him if, you know, it comes down to, he's one of the future um, catchers that, you know, can really come up and hopefully do something good. I mean, he's a switch hitting catcher. We don't really see that much. Um, but yeah, I think... You know, with Floria, 
he was in trade talk. He was in trade talk with the Marlins, uh, with the Indians. Um, and I feel like, you know, holding on to him is a good decision because we don't know what's going to happen. Something could happen out of nowhere. Um, and he's the next guy coming up. I mean, Glaber Torres and Duhar were those guys last year. They came up and did amazing for us. Um, so now it's his turn. He's one of those guys um, to come up and do his thing. So I do think, you know, he's next and, um, you know, he's going to do something special. I, yeah, I, I concur entirely. Um, Floreal is, is, a, is a next level talent the Yankees have in the minor league system. But let's not forget. Um, let's not forget about this. Uh, let's not forget about Red Thunder. Clint Frazier. Clint Frazier, the forgotten outfielder. Where have you gone, Clint Frazier? From the second I saw him play, um, I thought that this guy, I mean, he looks like he plays with his hair on fire because his hair is bright, right? But he really plays with his hair on fire. He, he plays like, I kind of plays like Bryce Harper, kind of brass and cocky and arrogant. And I like that. To, uh, he brings that kind of energy to a team that's always been very buttoned up. So if Clint is ready to play, um, I, I wouldn't have a problem with him starting in left field and having Stanton DH, obviously, and Andrew Harper play third base and all that kind of jazz. But um, I would have no issue with, with Clint playing again. I really hope that his, uh, that, that his uh, concussion injury has moved past him. I know it's a very hard injury to get past because it lingers for a while. Um, but I, I, I really like Clint Frazier. His bat is incredibly quick. Um, he, plays a good, he plays a good outfield, and I really want him to have a spot on this team. Uh, it's unfortunate how injured he was last season, so let's hope 2019 is, uh, is Clint's year. Yeah. Um, so thank you, Dom, for your question. Um, before we wrap this up, I wanted to uh, say that Stub Yard or has given us a 10% off code BPN10 um, for all tickets uh, that you want. Um, you can plug that in and you'll get a little bit of money off. Um, so yeah, head over to Stub Yard and um, get your tickets for you know any game, any you know sporting event or concert or anything. Um, so, yeah, we'll see you guys in a little bit. Hello, Diamondbacks fans. My name is Blake, and on Friday at 11 Eastern Time, we ask you to join Chris and I for the third episode of Rattle Up, a podcast dedicated to covering everything going on in the desert, including news, rumors, and more, along with insight from two lifelong fans. This week, we address the current state of the D-backs and where the club should go from here in terms of free agency, trades, or call-ups to fill holes in the roster and the state of the team as a whole. We will also compare the MLB to other leagues such as the NFL and the NBA and discuss how to appeal to the younger audience and make baseball popular among kids. Tune in at 11 Eastern Time this Friday for the third episode of Rattle Up. That is 11 Eastern Time, 9 Mountain Time this Friday. See you there. All right. Uh, Welcome back. Um, We're going to go into arbitration figures and uh, some rumors that have been happening with the Yankees about that and um, other, other teams as well. But um, if you want to ask any more questions, um, the number is 845-277-9345 to call in and ask, but um, let's hop right into this topic. Let's. Well, the Yankees have given arbitration, uh, have 
settled before arbitration with nearly all their players. They settled with Bird, Gray, Gregorius, Patson, Batantis, Hicks, and Romine. They have only not settled with one ball player. That ball player is Luis Severino, the Yankees ace. Now, when I saw that, I was a little uncomfortable. Going to arbitration is never a good thing. Because you're sitting in a room with the guy representing the Yankees, an arbiter, and the Yankees side is pretty much going to sit there and say to the room why you suck, why you don't deserve this amount of money. And it never really goes well for the player when the player reaches free agency, you know, with a sour taste in their mouth. And, I mean, I could clearly understand that. I wouldn't want to be in a room with someone telling me why I don't deserve what I think I deserve. Um, it just made me angry, and rightfully so. But um, I, I, and Randy Levine bothers me. I mean, I remember a few years ago when he, when he stated that the uh, yeah, Yankees tickets for behind home plate are for a certain type of people. So Randy Levine um, is not my uh, not my favorite guy in the Yankees organization. So um, I just I just really hope they don't uh, anger Severino or say this say something stupid to uh, to to make him not want to come back come for agency, but um, aside from Severino, I'm glad they settled with guys like D.D. and Paxton and Batances because um, obviously they're very important players. Um, they settled with Gray, 7.5 uh, million, which surprised me a little bit considering the fact that I think they should trade him, but um, I, I think the Severino thing is, is, is concerning to me slightly, but hopefully we can get out of it um, with, uh, with, no, with no less than a, than a little, than a slightly hurt ego but um, let's hope it's not even that much. Um, yeah, I would hate to lose Luis Severino. He's a big part of the rotation, and if we lose him, he, you know, now we're in we're we're we're, we're where we were before we got Paxton. So, um, yeah, I hope they can you know de- you know make a deal. Uh, with him, and you know, figure everything out. I'm glad we we took care of the guys. Um, that we needed to take care of. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, he needs to be somebody that stays on, stays here and gets the money that he wants. Because if you let him go, and now we have some problems with the rotation again. Um, and he's a, he was a big part of uh, last year and the previous season's um, rotation spot. I mean, he was just He's the guy. He does have his ups and downs, and he does have his bad starts. But he was—he's a guy that needs to—he needs to stay here. Um, you can't let that type of guy leave. Um, so I do think you know they got to figure out something to agree on, get um, him. And um, I am a little bit surprised about the Sunny Gray offer that they did—you know—give him um, something. Because I did think he was going to get traded, and now I think that CC was cleared up. They, you know, more teams were off were at him. So I'm a little bit surprised about that. I don't know what that means. You know, if maybe uh, we're going to trade him later in the season, or you know, some time earlier in the season. We don't. I don't know. But um, I do. You know, hope that we could. You know, get him off of our hands finally. Um, because this is with with him as well. It's kind of like a Machado thing. He's we don't know what's happening, and he's taking you know the Yankees are not 
you know, I feel like they're not searching for the right trade um, because there's a lot of teams that want him. And uh, I feel like if, I mean, obviously the Yankees don't want to get someone that, you know, an offer that's not good and just give them away. But um, I hope they can find a good deal quickly um, because we don't want him anymore. (laughs) Sad to say, but it's true. Um, Sunny yeah. Gray will Sunny Gray will honestly at this point most likely start the year with the Yankees, but I I am next to 100% certain that at some point during the season he'll be traded. Um, Severino, I mean, he's the ace. He's the ace. You don't want to anger a guy in an arbitration case because because you're squabbling over a million dollars that the Yankees make in about a day, probably less, probably in like an hour. But um, so I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't want Severino to be angered or annoyed by the Yankees, which I hope to God he's not, because it would just further further the divide between the Yankees and him when spring training, when not spring training, when uh, free agency comes for Severino. So I'm glad they settled all their other players. Let's hope they can get this get this taken care of soon, um, because he uh, he's very important and uh, he needs to be needs to be locked up to a. Uh, to an arbitration deal very soon. Let's hope uh, something gets done quickly. But um, with guys next coming next season like Gregorius and Batanz and Hicks, who will be free agents um, next season, it's very important that they didn't go to um, arbitration because that would have left a very sour taste in their mouth, probably, and it would have probably lent credence to the idea that they wouldn't have signed here because. I mean, I wouldn't want to be in a place where some guy just talked talk trash about me uh, and told me why I wasn't very good. So I'm I'm very glad they had they settled with Didi for 11.75, um, Batantis for 7.125, and Hicks for six. That runs. Um, so I'm glad they got that out of the way uh, to go along with Bird, Gray, Paxton, and Romine. Um, because it's it's, it's important to not go. To, uh, to arbitration. I mean, if you just look at the Colorado Rockies. Next season, um, well, this is potentially our last season with Nolan Arenado, who, in my opinion, is baseball's second best player behind Mike Trout. Um, they're going to arbitration with him. I think he's asking for thirty, and I'm not sure what the I'm not quite sure what the Rockies are asking for in return. But he's asking for thirty. The Rockies are obviously asking for less, and they're going to have to go to an arbiter. But if I'm Nolan Arenado, why would I want to be in a place where they're talking about me uh, in such a defamatory way where I don't deserve the money I think I deserve, especially when it comes to a guy like Nolan Arenado, who's such an amazing ball player. Um, so that's uh, that, that's just a, that's just another example of, of players going to arbitration just not being not being a good thing. Um, um, back to Gray for a moment, if, if I may. Yeah. Gray Ed. Gray Ed. Um, depth to a rotation. Um, I mean, I do. Think, I, I still think I'm going to trade him. I really do. But just, I just thought about Gray adding stability to a rotation, a potential stability to a rotation of guys who are prone to injury, like Paxson and Tanaka. Um, so it's good to have him around, but I still think he'll end up being traded anyway. His his uh, his figure they settled for in arbitration is easily movable. It's not, it's not crazy where a got where a team where a low level team uh, can't can't take on his salary. 
So it's important to settle on him for that amount of money. And now that now that he has a contract for next season at seven point five million, I do believe uh, he's much more likely to be traded now. I still believe he'll be traded midseason, but I think it's it's far more likely he'll be traded now. They settle on a settle on a figure, and um, they have a uh, have a set amount of money they're being they're paying him. So other teams are not going to be gun shot and take on this 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 money that they can't take on. Yeah, um, you know, I do think, you know, Sonny Gray, maybe, you know, their thoughts on him is, you know, he had a bad season last year. Let's, you know, give him an offer. And if, you know, he comes on, you know, the roster opening day, um, he might be used one of the games and we might see how he does. And if they don't like him, they get get rid of him. I, I don't know why, but I have a feeling that, you know they're gonna. He's gonna be here opening day, and they're gonna give him another try. And if he can't do it, he, they're totally done with him. I do definitely think he. You know he he's gonna get traded, but I feel like they're giving him a second chance, kind of with this. Um. So yeah, that's my my thoughts on the Sunny Gray, um, kind of situation. But I do you know if we if you haven't heard. Garrett Cole also he he uh, declined his uh, arbitration offer. So you know what is that? Ha- what, what's the problem with that? You know for the Astros because if you look at the Astros, uh, you know pitching rotation, they're not taking Charlie Morton anymore. He's going to go to a different team, um, and the only really two uh, starting pitchers that are guaranteed on the team are Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole. And Garrett Cole, de- uh, you know, declined his. So now we only have they only really have Justin Verlander. So, you know, they're in a big hole because I'm pretty sure, um, you know, Dallas Keuchel might not be even coming back. He's still in free agency. He's still a guy that someone needs to be picked up by. So, um, yeah, I don't know what the chances of us even touching Cole is, but, you know, that's another, you know, uh, offer that got declined and um I would like to see what happens you know with that situation with the Astros um if they you know try to give him the money or if they you know go away from him well Garrett Cole and the Astros are going to settle on something uh the arbiter will probably have to the arbiter will have to um intervene obviously this is going to arbitration and they'll say Mr. Cole you win or Houston Astros you win um but any time a player goes to arbitration, every single time, I've heard interviews with people, with uh, with former players at MLB Network, current players who have been on the network. I've just from things I've seen, every time a player goes to arbitration, they always dislike it because, like I said, who would want to be in a room with someone saying, "You know what? You weren't that good last year. You don't deserve this." If I if I was told I don't deserve the thing I deserve, I get inst- I would get instantly instantly annoyed because I, I, it's it's never something you'd want to hear because I mean how how can the Yankees even say that Severino was not integral to their season last year? They won 100 games. He was a big part of that. Yes, the second half was bad. He was tipping his pitches. They'll clear that up, and he'll be the ace again. So it's just it's it's, it's a negative situation. Whatever. Some of us are arbitration, but let's hope that any cuts or bruises that happen between the Yankees and Severino are bandaged up very quickly. There's very little bleeding. 
um, and the Yankees uh, settled very quickly with Severino in arbitration. Same thing goes for Aaron Otto, and same thing goes for Garrett Cole. I never want to see players uh, go, go to arbitration, but especially great players like Cole and Aaron Otto and Severino, because, I mean, obviously Cole's been on the Pirates and now the Astros, but Nolan Arenado, unless I would love to see him on the Yankees um, in 2020, um, there are certain guys who just want to stick around. So I, I really don't I really don't want to have Nolan Arenado and the Rockies be at odds, just like I don't want to see the Yankees and Luis Severino be at odds. So um, arbitration may be muddy, but let's hope those waters will clear up soon and these contracts will be signed very quickly. Yes, I, uh, I totally agree. And um, that actually wraps up for today. Um, so um, thank you all for listening. Um, if you guys want to buy any tickets for the upcoming season or spring training, make sure to go to Stubyard and uh, put in the promo code BTN10 for 10% off at checkout. Um, and, yeah, that's it for us. Uh, we'll see you guys next Wednesday. Um, we don't know what time, uh, but the last three have been at – you know, around the same time. So uh, that's probably what will happen um, next time, maybe. Um, So, yeah, we'll see you guys later. We're signing off. Pinstripe Talk is produced by Benson Vector. Pinstripe Talk is a production of the Baseball Podcast Network. Be sure to give our hosts a follow on Instagram, Eamon at Yankees Network 99, and Anthony at AFSimeon16. That's S-I-M-E-O-N-E-16. For more Pinstripe Talk content, be sure to head over to our website at BaseballPodcastNet.com. Be sure to follow the Baseball Podcast Network on all their social media platforms. Instagram, at Baseball Podcast Net. Twitter, at Baseball Podcast One. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-1. YouTube, at Baseball Podcast Network. And SoundCloud, at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in to Pinstripe Talk. We'll see you next time.